right, it's been an interesting week. We've got a lot of news to cover today, but I do want to mention that we have a very special guest with us here, Joey Lovato from the Indie Matters podcast at the Nevada Independent. Hey, Joey. Hello. How's it going, you guys? It's good. It's good. He's uh, calling in all the way from the snowy grounds of Reno, Nevada, but has Sm- many smoky grounds. Sta- oh, smoky. <laughs> Very smoky oh. this week. <laughs> no. Did see that in the news. And we also have with us our lovely host, David Figler. Hey, David. Hey, also very smoky and snowy inside my house here in Southern Nevada, but for reasons <laughs> completely unrelated to the weather. Very unclear why. Very unclear why. You know, keep it that way. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, we'll be talking about a recent cannabis legal win, the battle over our giant school district, and a little peek into the Vegas indie music scene. It's Friday, September 16th, 2022. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Wave, wave. Hello. How are we all? Yep. Nice, showing some nice, nice plump waves. Lovely waves. First item of news, happy birthday, Joey. Thank you. I appreciate it. I uh, feel like I'm getting older, even though I'm in my (laughs) 20s still. (laughs) Oh my God, I was going to say you don't look a day over 50. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to use the word old if you're under 30, Joey. I know, I know. Let's actually have you help us out with the news a little bit because there was some cannabis news that came out this week. We actually covered this lawsuit in our on our pod, but now the ruling has come down. Tell us about that, Joey. Yeah, so there's a district court judge, Joe Hardy, uh, Joe Hardy Jr. And Joe Hardy Jr. Uh, yes, uh-huh. there's also another Joe Hardy in Nevada, but uh, Joe, Joe Hardy Jr., the district court judge, agreed with the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. Cannabis, weed, was a Schedule One drug here in Nevada. It was classified that uh, by the the Nevada Board of the Nevada Board of Pharmacy. Schedule One drugs are kind of, you know, like heroin, things that don't have a use, things that are highly addictive, things that don't have a medical use, and so scheduling it as a Schedule One drug was a little bit of a strange thing since, you know, there is medical cannabis. It's been legal since it was voted in 2000 to, you know, become legal in the state. So it is no longer a Schedule One drug, uh, according to the Nevada Board of Pharmacy. Interesting stuff. We had been kind of following this news since we interviewed Atar Hasibula from the ACLU about it. I'm kind of curious, David, you're a lawyer, a legal scholar. What consequences do you think this ruling will have for Las Vegans? So the impact will yet to be seen. So Judge Hardy Jr., or as he's now going to be known, Party Hardy, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which he probably will not, although he he is a very sweet fellow. But that said, (laughs) the Nevada Board of Pharmacy, for reasons still unknown, just resisted the movement of the people to enshrine medical marijuana in our Constitution. And I think as a a strict constitutionalist, as as Judge Hardy, I think, views himself as, it didn't make much sense. So now the Board of Pharmacy has to come in line, declassify marijuana as a Schedule One narcotic, along with, like Joey said, heroin and PCP and things of that nature. Uh, the, The import to the ACLU is... Uh, a little convoluted, and and we did cover it in the podcast, but the bottom line is that there are a lot of people in Nevada who received convictions Mm -hmm. for crimes related to 
something being a Schedule One narcotic, and the the penalties are higher for crimes involving Schedule One narcotics. Marijuana has always been treated a little bit differently, but there are plenty of people who were impacted by that designation by the Board of Pharmacy, which winds up in the Nevada Revised Statute. That's all done now. So mm. I, I think our next step is to seek some relief for some of those folks, uh, either who potentially are still in prison or who have been burdened with these prior convictions that don't accord now with you know, either Nevada Constitution or the ruling of this district court judge. So, you know, one interesting thing is to see if the Board of Pharmacy, which is a state entity, is going to continue to fight this and bring it all the way up to Nevada Supreme Court, or if they're just going to let it go, because they think everyone is in agreement that there is some medical use for Hmm. marijuana uh, that exists in the world and has proven by science. And that is the only standard. That's the threshold. But the Board of Pharmacy, for uh, reasons, again, fairly unknown, held out. But now they've been slapped down by the court. Cool. What could that relief look like? You mentioned relief for folks who've been impacted. I mean, are we talking about, like, clearing their records? I mean, could they even sue? Yeah, I think it's an all of the above. We've talked about this on the podcast and, and uh, people are talking about it all over the country now. It's just the, the impact of our carceral system on people well after the fact, after uh, they've sustained a conviction or after they've been to prison and done their time, lasts for sometimes the rest of their lives. Well, yeah, David, I'm actually kind of curious too what your thoughts are. Do you think that this could lead to things like psychedelics potentially becoming legal in the the future? Um, It's not the same thing, obviously, but, you know, I think that there are some precedents that could be set because of this. Oh, heck, heck yeah. I mean, it, it is opening up a conversation. So it's not sacrosanct anymore, right? If something is a Schedule One narcotic, which again, suggests that there is absolutely no possible medical use for it. That's part of the definition in a lot of ways. And, and this is at the federal level too, which I understand Joe Biden is considering sort of doing it. So now we've seen the states are doing it. Maybe that will encourage the federal government to kind of follow suit. But you're right. I mean, we are seeing treatment in psychology involving microdosing of things like LSD, LSD on the Schedule One narcotics. We're seeing uses of mushrooms and things like that. And while that's not a Schedule One, there certainly could be a new attitude towards things that have for decades been sort of, you know, the forbidden drugs that if you have mm. anything to do right. with, you're going to be punished very, very severely to be loosened up a little bit because there there is medical use. Let's not forget, cocaine used to be in our soda pop. <laughs> you know, so times do change up and down. Uh, we definitely went through a very harsh period and maybe people are realizing that just because it is a scary sounding drug that there isn't any potential good use for it. And But there's also the side of the thing where people are selling it illegally and, yeah. you know, there needs to be maybe some accountability. One interesting consequence of marijuana or cannabis being a Schedule One drug is that it's actually really hard for researchers to get funding to actually study cannabis and its medical effects. So it's kind of this weird chicken and egg where you you need evidence to prove that there are medical uses and, and importance for cannabis. But then on the other hand, researchers, because it is so highly controlled, are having a really hard time getting it. They can only sort of source from like a, a few very tightly approved sources of cannabis. And then the sources that they get aren't reflective of what's what's actually out there in, in the community and being sold in, in legal states. So I do wonder what impact removing cannabis as a Schedule One drug will have on the research as well. 
Yeah, I think that's actually e- e- even a more significant point because in the old ye olde days, and, and there's plenty of, of uh, literature about it, N- Nevada used to be one of the, the most severe places to be caught with even a couple of, of seeds of marijuana. Huh. It, was, it was considered to be a felony. There were big billboards that were at the state line that says, you know, you will go away forever. I think it's famously uh, just depicted in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That has changed. We're dealing with marijuana as being part of, you know, our culture and our society. We're dealing with DUI as it relates to marijuana laws. We have the most stringent DUI slash marijuana laws in the country. That's also under scrutiny and and that's being adjusted in certain ways. So there's a big conversation around it. And the fact that it's now being removed from the Board of Pharmacy designation is definitely going to impact the conversation, even if it doesn't specifically impact as many people as, as we might think it. Well, next up, I wanted to bring you guys a piece of news. I think you guys saw it. As you all know, Clark County School District is enormous. It is the fifth largest school district in the country, comprising 300,000 students. Just to give you a little context, the population of Henderson is 320,000 people. So we've basically got a small city in our school district. And the news just came out that six chambers of commerce have endorsed a ballot initiative to split up Clark County School District into smaller school districts. And the chambers are the Vegas, Henderson, Latin, Urban, Las Vegas, Asian, and Boulder City Chambers of Commerce. This is a ballot initiative that's currently seeking signatures. If it receives enough signatures, I think it's something around 140,000 signatures, it would go on the November 2024 ballot. And so what that would do is break up our massive school district into smaller school districts. And they say, and I'm quoting here, Mary Beth Sewold, president and CEO of the Las Vegas of the Vegas Chamber. She says, raising student achievement is essential for the future of Nevada. This petition will compel legislators to address the state's archaic governance of our school system and give communities more options to meet the educational needs of its students. All right. So I guess my first question, honestly, is why are chambers of commerce endorsing a school district issue? That's that's kind of confusing to me. Joey, what do you know about that? So I, I guess the chamber, they're interested in the ecosystem of Vegas or in this in this case, uh, you know, also Henderson and Boulder and, you know, all these places in, in the in Las Vegas Valley. But I think interestingly, this, you know, started from a city councilman in Henderson, Dan Stewart, and he started this pack called Community Schools Initiative. Um, in Henderson. Um, and this was in 2021. Hmm. He was also running for uh, mayor of, of Henderson. But yeah, this this pack and, and all these Chamber of Commerce kind of backing their attempt is because, you know, this has been a decades long argument talking about breaking up Clark County. It's one of the largest school districts in the nation. So, you know, there's a lot of arguments for and against breaking up the, the school district, which we can get into in a little bit if you want. Um, sure, yeah. You know, I think it comes from a place of it's really hard to manage this many schools, this many students. A lot of people say that, you know, Nevada is notoriously on the bottom ranking of states for education funding uh, and performance. So, you know, and some of the benefits to having a really big school district are that it's kind of more centrally run at the top and it gives the opportunity for teachers to kind of move between schools a little bit easier because of that. But, you know, the arguments against 
breaking up too are that there could be a really big equity issue. Um, if you look okay. at places mm-hmm. like Chicago, right? In Chicago specifically, a portion of your property taxes go towards funding education. And it's similar in Nevada. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But um, in wealthier neighborhoods, they would have more resources going to their schools than poorer neighborhoods. I think that causes a huge equity issue. Um, so that's one of the big concerns is that right now, all of those resources are kind of being spread equally throughout the school district. Um, but arguments for splitting it up are that, you know, it's just so hard to manage this many schools. People will say that it's if it's too large, you know, there's not going to be any good oversight. And maybe there's not enough continuity between each school because like one school will do something that's really great, but then it won't make it over to another school because it's just there's just too much going on. And so having smaller school districts could let each of those school districts tackle those issues in ways that they need to 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 do it based on the neighborhoods that they're in. So so not a one size fits all solution for different neighborhoods that might have different needs. At the same time, it sounds like currently resources are being shared across like the broader school district. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so, so it's, it's really complicated. So why the Chamber of Commerce, coming back to your original question, why the Chamber of Commerce is weighing in on this? You know, like I said, they have an interest in kind of the school district and what it's doing in, in Las Vegas at the moment. And they, they are an interest group at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah. What's your take, David? OK, here's my take. It's cynical. Um, Yay, cynical take. <laughs> the Chambers of Commerce represent business, represent power, represent a certain fairly homogenous demographic. They aren't necessarily people who have, for lack of a better word, skin in the game. A lot of them are older, don't have kids in the in the system, aren't listening maybe to the kids. But what I haven't heard from any of these various chambers of commerce uh, is why that solve solves the actual issues in the school district, which is student achievement, right? They, they talk about that in the very first sentence of that statement from Mary Beth. But how how does breaking it up make sure that every student in Nevada can read at the time that they're supposed to read, that they're performing well? How how does that better teacher compensation or school size? And that's the step that they never actually kind of go to. I think that this is a, a bunch of powerful adults using their voice to address adult questions, not student questions. And and so, you know, instead of saying, wow, we only have seven school board members, I think it's seven school board members to deal with this entire big, why don't we have more of this hybrid of appointed people with experience? Why don't we have student representatives? Why don't we have teacher representatives? Let's look at the fourth largest school district. How are they doing it? (laughs) Let's look at the sixth largest school district. How are they doing it? You know, are there some things that we can be doing? And these are the conversations that are harder, um, more intense, more dare I say, evidence-based. But also I know that in the country, there are places that have hundreds of little baby school districts within their community, and they're looking to consolidate because it's unworkable. If you don't think that a wealthier community school district is going to have more resources, more opportunities than a poverty area school district, you're fooling yourselves. And so I think it's odd that the chamber's getting involved, but if the chamber is going to use their voice and their resource to get involved, I, I would hope it'd be a little bit more productive than just, you know, the echoing, oh, we need to break it up because it's not working. If it's not working, tell us why it's not working. Yeah, I think one thing too, this is like, maybe it's the argument similar to, you know, charter schools, right? Which is that it creates competition, um, which I think can be a both a pro and a con for an argument like this, right? If you want to create competition, you can get better teachers and, 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 and those, those school districts are now competing for funds, trying to be better than one another, um, which, you know, kind of rises everybody. 
that's the argument for charter schools. That's an argument for why there should be a bunch of like smaller school districts. Whether or not that works in practice, I don't know. But um, you know, that's that's one that's one reason I think that they're talking about it as yeah, well. But- but there are equity issues with charter schools as well, right? Yeah, like drawing sure. drawing resources away from public schools that desperately need those funds attached to every single student. So mm-hmm. it is an echo of the same problems and criticisms of breaking up the school district too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's both an argument for and against it, I would say, depending yeah. on uh, how you want to perceive it. <laughs> right. And I can't tell you how excited I am to see the city of Las Vegas, who's so good at so many different things, also running a school district. Nah, <laughs> I love uh, my city. Uh, but you know, don't know that they're necessarily equipped to do a lot of things. Yeah, we can we can be very we can be hypercritical of a thing that we love, right? <laughs> That's the whole game here, isn't it? At uh, CityCast Las Vegas. That's right. We love you. Here's what you're doing wrong. My mom always tells me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to the next topic. David, I, I know that you lost someone recently in the Las Vegas music community who was important to you and a lot of folks. Tell us about him. Well, I think it's the Las Vegas music community that's suffering the loss. I knew Blair Dwayne, uh, had many, 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 many interactions with him. The sweetest guy. You know, look, in the Las Vegas music scene, there's, you know, little inner rivalries and people like people in certain bands or not. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Blair. Blair was uh, in two very, very, very popular bands. He was actually in a lot of different uh, endeavors and supported a lot of, of other musicians and stuff. He was a, a, a mainstay, a fixture at places like the Bunkhouse, which was a storied music venue for many, many years downtown and other places. He was in a band called The Schooners. Uh, he was also in a band called Rusty Maples. Rusty Maples was always one of those bands that is, you know, every community I think has one of those bands where, you know, there's certain bands that make it out into the world. You know, we've got the Killers and we've got Imagine Dragons and Panic of the Disco and so many others, Neo. Uh, Rusty Maple is always the band that everyone thinks is next, right? Uh, they're, they're just a, a delight to see. It's always a party. Uh, Blair is a, uh, Blair was a fantastic musician, performer. He had a stage presence that was pretty unrivaled. He could be both sticky and deep. He wrote a, a lot of songs and sang a lot of songs about the Las Vegas experience in a lot of ways, and that always spoke to me. But more than anything else, uh, he, he's what we, we, we call in the, in the music tradition a mensch, uh, just one of the good guys. And uh, sadly, it was announced that uh, at a very young age, he uh, has passed away. And, and so it's going to be a, a, a major loss for the music scene and tributes have been pouring in. Uh, I want to shout out to Mike Prevat, uh, who's a music writer, who also is a producer over at uh, KNPR. Uh, they did a, a really nice tribute that came up right away. Blair was really well-known, well-loved, even hosted a karaoke night at uh, Oddfellows uh, just last year. So, you know, one of the good guys and sad to see him go. Well, we're glad that you brought his memory to the show here, and, and it's now recorded for our all eternity for as long as this MP3 file exists. This probably feels a little more special to both of you because I know both of you are musicians. Uh, um, well, Joe, Joey might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've been in a band. You, uh, it's, it's an affront to all musicians to call me a musician. <laughs> I would like people to know that David is in a band called Tippy Elvis. It is a punk polka band, and it is awesome. You cannot escape the title of musician, David. Joey was asking me, like, oh, what do you what do you play? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm the vocalist, not the singer. The band says, you can't call me a singer because I sing like a prisoner. And I said, what's, what's that mean? It's like, well, you're behind eight bars and there's never a key in sight. Uh, <laughs> that's a good lawyer joke. 
<laughs> well, you're a musician joke. And you also were in a band too, Joey, is that right? Yes, and I was I was much younger. Um, from the time I was in fifth grade until uh, right before high school started, full silver. No I way. hope you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> All right, give me the. You know, we every band always says, "Well, our band sounds like a cross between blank and blank," and you know, our band sounds like a cross between the B52s and John Philip Sousa. So, what what would your band be a cross between? Uh, our band was a cross between Justin Bieber and Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> we were very young. Um, we mostly did covers of songs that our parents liked, like Journey and uh, ZZ Top and things like that. Oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> and you stopped believing, Joey? No more? Uh, we, you, you know, I got to tell you, uh, from fifth grade to high school, personalities really form <laughs> and the band didn't quite make it uh, past, past, past freshman year of high school. But... Um, yeah, I've been playing guitar since I was I was little, and so uh, now I now I write music for uh, for the pod, for Indie Matters nice. the podcast. That's oh, nice. Well, next time you're down in uh, Las Vegas, we're gonna jam. Yeah, man. it's a jam a little bit. All right, I love it, uh, listeners. If anyone has footage of Full Silver, we will give you the biggest, most appreciative shout out on the pod and the newsletter. Just saying, <laughs> we need that deep cut. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, I have a quick story about this band. Um, we made like ten T-shirts. Like we had like a T-shirt for like ourselves <laughs> and like our parents. And at my friend's college graduation party, like eight years after the band broke up, her little cousin was wearing one of the shirts. And I like accost. I was like, "Where'd you get this shirt, kid?" And uh, he was like terrified of me. I think, but uh, his I got mom it like savers. <laughs> yeah, his mom found it at savers. It was like one of no the way. ten. Oh my god. <laughs> It's one of the 10 shirts that existed and his mom found it at Savers. Oh I was like the most surreal moment of my life, like seeing this like little wow. kid wearing my Did you element. chase him and steal the shirt from him? No. I, just, I have to know. I okay. hope he wears it and gives it on to his children and the memory of Full okay. Silver lives on in lives t-shirt on. form only. Please don't look it okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So before we round it out, what pop culture news is giving you life this weekend? I want to know. I'm a little bit behind here, but the drama surrounding Don't Worry, Worry Darling, the mo- Olivia Wilde movie Joey, uh, that starring was five Harry years Styles ago. is very entertaining. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm behind, I know. I am so weirded out, maybe excited that Commissioner Tick Sigerbloom wants to change the name of Karen Avenue to Liberace Avenue. Out of the blue. And then his his pitch on that was Liberace is probably the most well-known, important Las Vegas entertainer ever. I'm just going to leave it like that. It's like, I love Tick. I used to share office space with him. We're going to have a conversation. (laughs) All right. I guess my pop culture news is that the Patagonia founder, Yves Chouinard, is completely giving away his company to climate causes. Like, just up and giving it away, which is just inspirational. Let's hope that more billionaires take note. It's not really pop culture, but it's kind of pop culture, I figured. So, you know. Well, now he's going to have to live in a single suite. Oh, no. God forbid. Stay in Wyoming, Eve. Stay in Wyoming. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today on CityCast Las Vegas. Joey, it was so exciting having you, our guest contributor, on. Happy birthday again, Joey. What a special surprise. Thank you. Yes. It's the most common birthday in the world. Oh, <laughs> interesting. And thank you, David. It was so fun having you on as well. Oh, fun, fun always. And it's fun to see Joey and uh, looking forward to seeing him down here for the Nevada Press Association Awards. Hey. One last note. 
sadly, the Aces did lose their game against the Connecticut Suns last night. But it's not over, guys. We got more games to come. Oh, Aces. Almost. Next show. Go Aces. Go Aces. That is all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is me, Sonia Cho Swanson, and our producer is Leila Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos, as well as Epidemic Sound and Blue Note Sessions. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwubi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, I know you did, you had a lot of fun, you learned a ton of stuff, go tell a friend, just send it to them. Then make sure you're subscribed and make sure they're subscribed too. And you know, if you want to throw us a few stars while you're at it, go for it. Make sure you're also subscribed to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. David, are you going to sing for us? I'm going to scat a little bit. Joey's not not enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst birthday present ever, David.